interrupting your regularly scheduled reaction review for Resurrection to first plug two Shudder originals that are out now on DVD. Both of these have been streaming on Shudder for a little bit of time, but like all of my delicious, vicious collectors out there, they like to have the physical media releases. So up first, thanks to Caitlin Flanagan for providing both of these actually. Uh, slap face. Where do monsters come from? After the death of his mother, Lucas, a loner who lives in a rundown home with his brother Tom, regularly seeks solace in the nearby woods. With his only, air quote, friends being a group of female bullies, he keeps to himself most of the time. But after a strange encounter with an inhumane monster, Lucas begins to withdraw from others. When the two reach a tentative trust, a bizarre friendship is born, and Lucas is swept up in a series of primal adventures. The special features include the slapped face behind the scenes, cast and director Q&A video, and behind the scenes photo gallery. And this is written and directed by Jeremiah Kipp. Um, check it out now. You can pick this up for 10 bucks. Um, and uh, I did check this out, actually, when it uh, premiered on uh, Shudder. And um, I'm excited to dive into the special features. I, I want to know a little bit more about the movie. Um, I had maybe some questions uh, after the climax. But for the most part, it was actually a pretty well-established uh, um, entry into the witch mythos and the pantheon of horror with witches. Um, really great practical creature effect of the witch. Um, I think for those of you that like quiet, slow burn horror uh, with witches and a little bit of uh, you know familial drama, I think you'll get a lot out of this. Um, so definitely check that out. And on brand for witchy drama, um, I'll go to the next one. Hellbender, a witch's tale that is spellbinding and sickly satisfying, IGN called it. It is certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Izzy leads an isolated life, locked away from the world by her protective mother who has convinced her she has a chronic illness. After sneaking into town, Izzy plays a cruel drinking game with a new friend that unleashes a deep-rooted taste for blood. Confused and scared, Izzy questions her mom. But mom's secrets are as old and dark as the bloodline from which they're born, and its grip is tight. Izzy's true nature can only sleep for so long, though, and when it wakes, it's hungry as hell. Written and directed by Toby Poser and Zelda Adams and John Adams. Uh, the Adams, the two Adams, they are part of a collective called the Adams Family, uh, funny enough, and they are like a punk rock group, and they... Uh, did film this over the quarantine. Uh, I believe it was 2020, 2021. Um, so you'll get some really uh, interesting music, really interesting uh, VFX in this in this uh, movie. Uh, the special features, the visual VFX of Hellbender by Black, Black Magic Tricks, uh, Hellbender music videos, bloopers, Zelda's alter ego, Evil Adams, 
behind the scenes footage, traveling with Wonder Wheels. So you can check out both of these physical releases out now. Uh, both of them are about 10 bucks a piece on uh, DVD on Amazon, uh, Walmart, Bull Moose, wherever you get your physical media. So that's all I have for plugging those. On to the show. Well, 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 we have a reaction review. Hmm. Is it going to be a... Oh, yeah. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the Fatal Faller Presents show. I have in the studio with me, Gabe. Welcome back to the show, Gabe. Thank you, Donnie. It's always a pleasure to be here. (laughs) So we are reviewing Resurrection which is in theaters and on demand this Friday, August 5th, 2022. Thanks to Sam Heigl for providing the screener. IFC Films invites you to screen writer and director Andrew Seaman's jaw-dropping sophomore feature, Resurrection, which had its world premiere at the 2022 Sundance Film Festival. Margaret, played by Rebecca Hall, leads a successful and orderly life perfectly balancing the demands of her busy career and single parenthood to her fiercely independent daughter, Abby. Everything is under control, but that careful balance is upended when an unwelcome shadow from her past, David, played by Tim Roth, returns, carrying with him the horrors of Margaret's past. Battling her rising fear, Margaret must confront the monster she's evaded for two decades, who has come to conclude their unfinished business. All right, so I wanted to first read just a little bit about what the director said about this before we give our reactions. What was the origin of Resurrection by writer-director Andrew Siemens? When trying to come up with a story, I'll often start by thinking about something that really terrifies me, some fundamental fear that I have in the hope that I'll inspire an idea. In this case, I got to thinking about fears about parenthood, specifically the fear that your child or children are vulnerable and you will be unable to keep them safe, the fear that you will fail in your fundamental duty as a parent and allow your child to be hurt or victimized. This line of thinking brought to mind the subgenre of parental vigilante films. These movies play on those fears, but also provide a sort of grandiose wish fulfillment fantasy about being able to protect your child, even in the most extreme circumstance and becoming sort of an unstoppable superhero in the process out of a sense of fierce love and dedication towards your child. I started writing Resurrection about seven or eight years ago while I was working on other scripts. So it was a long gestation period. I imagined a character of a single mother acting alone to protect her child from some sort of dangerous that threat or predator, but I didn't quite know who she was or how she must act alone. Around this time, a friend of mine became involved in a relationship with a very toxic guy, and I witnessed their relationship firsthand. In talking to her and trying to understand the nature of that relationship, and trying to figure out how I might help her extricate herself from this relationship, I became interested and terrified by the tactics employed by manipulative, controlling people to form and maintain intense emotional bonds with their victims. What I learned greatly influenced the shape of the script. And that is Resurrection in a Nutshell. All right, so Gabe, are you going to go with a yay, nay, or meh on this movie? It's going to be a low, it's going to be a low, low yay. Okay. Yeah, I I think I'll agree with that. I think it's a low yay. Uh, There are things about it that 
uh, are successful. There are some things that maybe weren't successful to me as a viewer. Um, do you want to uh, give me a little bit of your, I guess, background into horror? Because we've never really done that, like as far as like the subgenre that you tend to gravitate to. Do you like psychological horror movies like this? According to you, I do. Okay. <laughs> that was an attack, folks. Do you hear this? This this attack on your on your host. Um, what do you mean by that? You want to explain to listeners what you mean by that, since they're not here in the room with us and not looking at you, eyeing me. I like some psychological horror, sure. Okay. So I think that I thought that you liked psychological horror movies. I think you like those cerebral type of films. That's why I suggested we watch this one. I do. Yeah. And, but you seem to not be as convinced by it after we watched it. Um, have you, have your feelings changed since you've kind of sat on it for a little bit? No. Okay. So you still feel about the same. So what was your initial reaction when you first like finish the movie. Like I know you said it was a little yay, but describe that. Um, I felt the movie was a little bit too long. Okay. I think it already had gotten their point across and it had been effective to that degree. I I felt that I was being held hostage by the movie <laughs> in the last twenty minutes. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Kind like, of overstated you, its welcome. Yes, you could have finished this already. Yeah, it's an hour and 43 minutes. Um, I would agree. I think maybe there could have been a little bit of things cut. I think I think to just start, obviously, we're going to do non-spoilers and then a short spoiler section. There isn't really much to spoil about this movie, to be quite honest, but we will share with you the ending and how we felt. Uh, but... For the most part, it really is a character study on uh, Rebecca Hall's uh, character in this movie and kind of what where she is in her life now, trying to balance what it is that she does. Uh, her name's Margaret. And uh, you can get an idea of when it's, when the description says she lives a successful and orderly life, the orderly part you get to see through some of her ticks, I would say that she has for being very well organized and meticulous. You get to see how she interacts with her daughter and how she wants to make sure that everything is straightened around the house, how she is at work and she's very clean. She's very cohesive. Um, you know, she's very active. She runs to kind of, to kind of, get her moment of silence and to process things. So you get to see this part of her life and you get to see this a lot over and over throughout the film and how her mental health deteriorates and the tasks and the routines that she had start to break up. And you get to see what that causes uh, her to, how, how it causes her to react to the situations. Um, one of the things that really is the the big piece here is when David, the her, spouse from the past shows up, uh, she sees him a couple times and she starts to react to that emotionally. And she starts to really isolate her daughter more than she kind of already was isolating her daughter. I mean, she was, her daughter seemed to be very introverted, very much playing video games at home. And she would of course go see her friend, but she seemed to be a very well-behaved teen uh, for the most part, despite having, you know, a little bit of an altercation with 
you know, drinking and, and falling off a bike and going to the hospital, like that was an accident. And, and so you get to see that reaction from her mom and kind of how she over mother, over motherly uh, smothers her with her affection, almost to a point at a fault where she's kind of pushing away uh, her daughter. Um, this is most of the movie and the drama elements of it and the the scenes to show who Margaret is and to really showcase Rebecca Hall as an actress. Um, what did you think about that aspect of the movie? Well, I think the acting was top notch, um, clearly. Um, both, there are very few characters and there are very few main characters. There are essentially four or five main characters, I would say. Um, yeah, it's a small cast. It's really Margaret, uh, David, her daughter, Margaret's daughter, and, and then a love interest that yeah. Margaret and has. I was counting the girl at the office that was working under her. Yeah. But that's that's it, essentially. That's, that's the cast. And then there are a couple of people who appear in a couple of scenes, and that's it. Um, so yeah, I mean, the people who I would say had more than a couple of minutes on screen were all good actors and actresses. Rebecca Hall is a standout. She played the role really well. Tim Roth, master of his craft. He was extremely disturbing, creepy, um, made you feel uneasy every time that he was on the screen. Uh, the daughter played her part really well and so did the love interest. So again, uh, the acting was good, and I feel that the it seems at the beginning to try to show uh, her life and things like this were good. Um, I think I mentioned this after the movie, and uh, that I felt that it was uh, unnecessary to have all this repetitiveness versus giving some more depth to what she actually did. Um, I was confused. Uh, and when you say what she did, you mean as a career? Yes, exactly. Like okay. her her whole career thing. Because I was she a scientist? Uh, yeah, it's it, like a biomedical firm that she, she works at. She seemed to be working at, the biomedical, uh, at a biomedical company. But then like, so is she involved in sales but she couldn't because she was at a conference where they were discussing new discoveries so that's why i was like and, she was, and yeah, that's she... what i mean by like so maybe some of this stuff wasn't necessary um instead of giving it more depth and i felt that that's what made the movie longer than what it needed to be in some senses i think like the this younger woman that works under her she's talking to her and she's kind of like listening to her and her problems and giving her like therapy and ad like advice and these kinds of things and i would feel that that would be like incredibly inappropriate yeah it's like was this a weird uh hr like meeting each day was this was she doing therapy on the side was she a mentor they weren't really friends because uh, they didn't talk outside of work so that wasn't really clear i think she was her mentor in a sense because she needed to write a letter for her but i again like i don't think that this is the way that they painted the relationship between them was odd and i think again like maybe they could have just written the character off like it, it didn't add much 
I understand that they have the character there for one reason and one reason only, so that Rebecca Hall could give this 10-minute monologue about her past to her yeah. without giving it to any other character, since clearly her unwillingness to actually go to therapy <laughs> and talk to someone yeah, about I mean, there's her a, issues. There's a really good scene, and, and just like you mentioned, Rebecca Hall gives a monologue, which was fantastic, and it gives you all the exposition you need for her and David's background with each other. Uh, that actually was, I think, one of the most frightening things of the film is showing uh, the type of relationship and the type of control that David had over her, the things that uh, he was making her do with these like rewards. I think, she what was it? Them kindness. Kindnesses. And essentially it was him telling her or making her do something and her being rewarded. And it was almost like he, they met through her parents at a facility, I think is what it was. And they fell in beach. love. Okay. Actually, they were on vacation and she was painting and he saw her paintings and he was way older than her, but her parents were hippies. So they, they brought him like, in, right? Or something like that? Yeah. I mean, he wore his way on it. But again, like, I think that part of the thing is what she mentioned that her parents were very hippie-like mm -hmm. and they were not really paying attention to her. Yeah. And when she said that she was mature enough, mm -hmm. they took her at her word instead of actually being a little bit more uh, critical and being like, you're just 18. Like, yeah. <laughs> you don't know what you want. Yeah, they, so. they were a little more hands-off approach than right. she is now being to her daughter, which right. she's kind of trying to make up for that and be a little bit more... Uh, uh, of a presence in her daughter's life. And that long monologue, you get background of um, also of a very tragic event that happens in their, in, in David and Margaret's life. Um, and I don't know if that's something that should I should reveal yet, because I think it's kind of think it should be like a spoiler, spoiler session. We can... um, because it's a little bit more intense. And it kind of gives away really most of what David's motivations are for kind of coming back into the fold, but um, we can go in depth. Yeah, and for yeah. the most part, really, it's David popping up in certain scenes, and uh, he's not really saying anything. And she's finally decides to confront him to ask why he's coming back into her life, and she's starting to question. Well, as viewers, I there were moments where I was like, "Are they even uh, like?" Do they even have history? Is she imagining something? And then there's a moment that's, you know, where it's like, okay, they actually do know each other. So there's, it's a progressive uh, relationship that sort of we get to see in the movie. But for the most part, it is a lot of her really, uh, it is her acting vehicle, I think. This is her. And if this is up for more awards, this would probably be something that I could see her being uh, nominated for for something because of the acting level that she brings to the movie. There was lots of depth. She was very well characterized, even though there were aspects of like her work life and things like that that weren't expanded on. You get to see a fully fleshed out character study with her, with Margaret. Um, but for the most part, um, really, it's that. And then you you see David, you see a lot of their interactions. It's a lot of psychological mind games. And then it kind of it's it slowly starts to set up what is going to happen in the climax, which I thought 
really takes this movie to a visceral horror place. Um, so it's really psychological drama for the most part, and then it really gets into the horror aspects. And I will describe the type of horror movie it is in the spoiler section. So for all the non-spoiler listeners, uh, what would you rate this movie out of 10? Uh, you said it was a low yay, but uh, what would you say? Like a 7.5. Okay, I'm going to go with like maybe a 7 on it. Um, so, I mean, it's still, I think that's pretty good uh, for a a independent movie that uh, I really had only seen uh, snippets of uh, Rebecca Hall's like stills out in the social media atmosphere, like just kind of looking at like, oh, that looks like an interesting concept, but I didn't really know anything about it. I did watch the trailer a long time ago, so I I was going in blind, you went in blind with it, uh, didn't know what to expect. And uh, there were some moments that kind of surprised me, uh, definitely more towards the end of the movie, Um, but really it's more visual and less, I think there is a psychological aspect to it that is unnerving to me. Um, So let's get to the spoiler section. So for this section, um, I'm going to, we're going to talk about a couple things, obviously. Uh, I think I wanted to mention the big thing in the monologue that she's mentioning. She mentions that, you know, through these kindnesses and through this relationship where he is dominating and groomed her as a child, basically, even though she's 18, um, she, he groomed her and he set up this whole power play on her where she does something and he rewards her and he's 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 controlling so many facets of what she does after this point that the relationship is so toxic that she really has no say in it and she ends up getting pregnant and they have a kid and she mentions something in the monologue about maybe he doesn't receive the kid well because maybe her attention's focused now on the kid more and he doesn't have all the power because the kid is the power. The kid is the power in the relationship because that's where your priorities are going to lie, right? So she goes to the village or to the store, comes back and she finds two fingers of the baby. And he is rubbing his belly saying that He's in the baby is inside him now that he ate the baby. And that is the part where it, I mean, I immediately got freaked out. I'm like, did he really eat a kid? Did he kill the kid? And is this the power move? So that's what I started questioning in my mind. Um, And then when he pops up and, and you're not sure after I think once or twice, do they have a relationship? And he starts rubbing his belly and he says, Ben's here. Mm-hmm. And that's the moment where she really like starts to freak out. And it's and where he, he says, tries Ben's inside me. Yeah. Ben's inside me and he's alive. And she has not told this story. Like you as a viewer don't know at that point what really happened. This, this is before right. she even tells the story. So he says that and that line comes out of nowhere. Yeah. In the movie. So again, like I think that at that point it is effective. But mm-hmm. like I said, later repeating over and over that Ben is inside him and things like that. But... Well, I, I kind of like that because every time he said it, he delivered it very creepy. And you can see like 
obviously that's what he's going to play to give power over her. I guess what I didn't need to see is all the kindnesses. Like, sure, one maybe would have been fine, but I don't think we needed to see three of them. To, to, to see it, like, over and over. I mean, yeah. even, like, the first one was repeated several times. But yeah, because one of them I... is, like, she has to stand in the park with her her arms behind her back, squatted, yeah. but that's and the she has one to that pray or something. Much. Like, it's more, most when he says, like, you have to go... Walk barefoot. Walk barefoot. From to, your home to, to work. To work and this and that. And she's, like, not even going to work anyway. So, I mean, there are... I, I understand that she didn't want therapy. Yeah. And and this is something that her daughter uh, brings up right over and over, like and even has an intervention, and and she has an intervention, and she just refuses any type of help. But it is kind of to me upsetting how this happened in the past. She didn't do anything about it back then, like. She herself admits that she didn't go to the police when the babies appear or whatever. Right. Because that's the power that this guy had over her. Yeah. But even now, after all this time, even with all these things and with Well, and then when she line, goes to the police this time and they're like, Well, what is he doing? But He's she, just showing up. But she doesn't tell them about the past either. So no. that's that is my point. Yeah, she doesn't she, share she what she could have shared. More forthcoming with a bunch of people. Um, but of, she felt guilty, I guess. Yeah. But then she shares this with a subordinate. Right. That she has been counseling, in a sense. That, to me, destroyed the emotional involvement with her as a character. I'm like, so you cannot tell this to the police. You cannot tell this to your daughter. You cannot tell this to the guy you're sleeping with. Right. But you chose to you chose the most vulnerable person that's coming to you for it, help in your life exactly you, and unload on them that your ex ate your baby. Right, right. <laughs> and then I'm surprised when they react in the way that they do. I'm like if oh. somebody told me that I would say is I would kind of say, Is are you joking with me? Because that's what she that's, says. That's to what her. she says, yeah. But I'm like, I mean, I, I probably wouldn't if someone was this successful and would tell me this in these like I didn't even stop to breathe air while telling you the story right. um but the woman that she confides in is not the person to confide in she she's not someone who has experience in life the two previous conversations they had showed she doesn't even know how to handle a simple relationship yeah and that she's trying to help her get out of it mm -hmm. so again like it's is me being nitpicky but that combined with this other couple of uh, instances where it's just repetitive took the movie down for me. If, if yeah. the movie had found well, a better vehicle, right? again, I would be saying, oh, yeah, the movie is, is great. But it's that kind of thing that bothered me in a sense because I'm like, I wish they would have done something differently in the exposition just so that, to find a different way of doing this exposition yeah they could have she could have told the guy that she's sleeping with and not had this character even involved in her story like that because really when 
David shows up to Margaret's job and you see the coworker she had just told the story to and the guy she's sleeping with watching, you're like, well, what's going to happen here? Is there something weird going to happen? And nothing happens from it. And it's like, well, there were no repercussions of anything there. And it just didn't add nothing for me, at least either. Um, but for the most part, the guy that she's sleeping with, who is married, he loves her and he's trying to intervene. He's he trying to get so, her yeah. to therapy. Um and she hasn't shared anything with it with him or her daughter. And then, you know, it starts winding down and, you know, she's already escalated things where now she's got a routine where she has a gun and she's going to the park bench where he sits pretending she's going to shoot him. And you think she's going to at one point. And, and, she, tries. and she tries and she fails. And then it gets to a setup where he gives her a key to the hotel he's staying at or whatever. And she goes she there sees the key. and she, yeah. And, and there's like some, she fishes around some things and there's nothing really there. And then it ends up, she goes to where he's staying or no, she gets a hotel room, right? Like, yeah, this she, is so weird. Like trying to recall what I mean, really I, happened. Like I remember what it is, but what I'm saying is, is how much is this adding? To right. The movie. That's it's not. I mean, that's my my point is, it was a lot of things that just go deeper and deeper, and it's clear that the per, it, like I understand. I understand what the movie was trying to do, and I and I and if I may, I I can like try to give my explanation of what the movie sure. is is trying to. She had this very traumatic experience. As an 18-year-old, she thought she was more mature than she actually was. And her parents, like you said, were very hands-off. They didn't really care about her. They, they didn't protect her. Um, and she lost a child as a result. Mm -hmm. So, And this stuff has followed her around for 22 years, in a sense. Um, and she has not truly, completely processed it. Like, she has buried it yeah. inside her. Now she's a successful woman in a company and she's having an affair with a married man, mm -hmm. which is like very hippie like, like, I mean, like he has a wife. Yeah. Who cares? Like I'm, I'm still doing this and she's living with this man and her daughter is about to go to college. She's about to start her life. Mm -hmm. And then, and so this is important in the movie, the timing of it is she, he, he, David shows up at an inopportune time for her. No, no. Because David there's a, a whole life change happening. For, exactly. It's, it's like David shows for up. For him. Yeah. No, for her. It's she, she's sleeping with the love interest and they are just talking and whatever. And her phone has been ringing and she hasn't checked it. And then she looks at it and her daughter got drunk at a friend's house and she hurt her leg. Right. The day after this happens is the first time that she sees David. Mm -hmm. Do you think he was there all the time? No, I think that he wasn't. He I just think came that in. This is, this is her imagination. Mm -hmm. Everything mm -hmm. that she's experiencing with him is her trauma. Again, to her seeing her daughter get drunk, mm -hmm. have an accident, while she was sleeping with a married man, put her back in the situation of 
oh, when I was 18, my parents mm. were not really paying attention. So do you think David ever was there? I don't think that David was ever there. Oh, that's I, an interesting I, that's, perspective. This is, this, is, this is how I see it. Yeah. She, she, she is imagining this whole situation because it's her way of processing the fact that her daughter is about to go to college and the daughter is like, you're smothering me, you're not saying things, you're not speaking clearly, you need therapy, there are things that you have to work through that clearly you're not working through. And this, to me, is kind of an allegory of that. Mm. So that's why she starts having these mental breakdowns and she needs this intervention because it's her trauma. What happened to her daughter has brought back her trauma. And then she starts seeing David. She fears for her daughter. She mm -hmm. starts telling him, don't talk to strangers. She doesn't need this. This is, this is the point of why it's a trauma. She doesn't even tell the daughter specifically there is a guy who did this to me and he looks this way and whatever she's like don't talk to any strangers and don't do this she is protecting her mm -hmm. from the possibility of another david a new david in her life mm -hmm. and that's why she's vague at the beginning but then the daughter starts pushing back she's like well it cannot be just anyone what's happening and so the mom is like oh well there was this guy at the company and right whatever. right yeah. but the daughter sees through it she she keeps checking these things because again, what the movie is about, and hence the name Resurrection, mm -hmm. is her trauma mm. has been resurrected. That's, she's living it through again. And I think that there's a second layer to it, mm. and is she's pregnant now. With, the, with her co-worker's with, with baby. With her co-worker's yeah. baby. And the fact that she is pregnant now, it's also a trigger. It's also her. a trigger. So it's like this combination of things. And that's why when she's talking to the co-worker, she's saying, I will not let anything happen to my children and his children. Like, you don't have children. You have one girl. Well, and I think that was her also mm -hmm. acknowledging that she thought Ben was still alive. Of, even though of he course, wasn't. right. But yeah. what I'm saying is, but we know yeah, that yeah. this is not what's happening. Right. So in a sense, is I like that you took that approach where he wasn't ever there because that too could could make sense i actually took it that david was there and david maybe had been popped up in her life and she just didn't notice it because she was so inwardly focused on herself and her daughter and she had buried this secret she'd buried david and i think when the line started to crack in the facade that she had held up i think is when she saw and she maybe started looking for something that had been buried not understanding that that was the david that she was bringing mm -hmm. back in that resurrecting that memory and he maybe was there the whole time watching her and i think he was actually there with her and i think he did start doing those things to her because he knew when she was vulnerable when to come back in with the power this is a strong woman who has now broken down now it's time to hone in mm -hmm. but I think, too, that let's get to the ending, because I think we've talked sure. enough about this. But the ending set piece is her and him in a hotel room. And he's still saying the baby's there. She has come to basically kill him, essentially. 
and she has all these knives like attached, like one on her arm, one on her leg, and she starts pulling them up. They start having a scuffle. She gets him down, ties him down. She starts cutting him open to pull Ben out, the baby. Um, and the baby does come out. And the baby does come out. Now, I think that she killed him. And then where it's taught, when it starts showing the baby afterwards is that's in her mind. Obviously, I don't think the baby was ever there. Be cool if it was, but it wasn't. Um, this is the body horror, David Cronenberg aspects of the movie. Um, I think that was it. I think she killed him and she did not find the baby. I think she was holding his stomach or something in her hands as a baby because they don't really ever show it. Right. And then they show this hazy dreamlike sequence at the end right. where she's holding Ben and the daughter comes in and it's very white and very dreamlike, right. day, like very daytime lit, very foggy, like you're dreaming. And she looks at Ben and then that, and then you see her face in horror and it's like, is she in an institute somewhere for killing David? Right. Like what happened? So I like that your aspect that he never existed, but then I don't understand how that would play in with the end of the movie. Like, was that her full psychotic break because he was never there? But that's, that's or did she kill David or did she kill a guy? And now she's just, I think she had. Uh, so again, like I agree with you, had she killed him? Of course, the part of the ending that is open to interpretation. And sometimes I enjoy these kinds of things. In this case, I didn't enjoy it so much because it didn't give me like a lot of closure. Mm -hmm. And you put me through this whole torture of seeing this woman do all these really uh, things that she Abusive did. things uh, to abusive herself things, and her daughter. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and then you don't even give me the closure of the thing. So yeah. that didn't sit right with me. But having these and uh, the the dreamlike state whatever right to me it's it's also a metaphor she does kill she confronts her pain that's her killing yeah. david um of course like I'm, what metaphorically I'm saying is that metaphorically yeah. she she does whatever and then she recovers then and like i said i i have a feeling that she was pregnant um with uh her co-workers baby and this uh, dreamlike thing is her receiving that inner piece of, oh, now I'm going to have this child mm -hmm. and my daughter is going to come back. Yeah, she's basically okay. metaphorically severing all those ties right. that brought and, her down. And now. And the daughter says, thank you for saving me. Like, thank you for protecting me. Yeah. So, of course, it, I, I agree with you. That last scene is very much fussy daydreaming mm -hmm. kind of thing yeah i just don't think so this is why i think that david wasn't there in a sense and and this is what i have how how would david know at what time she was vulnerable and if she had followed him for 22 years that it to me is implausible that somebody well anybody that would years. eat a baby or say they ate a baby i don't judge their character well yeah but i'm saying he's like <laughs> or their timing he, or the way gonna, that they can stalk I, somebody i will he's like i'm gonna wait 22 years but there there are a couple of things in the movie that give me this kind of feel for mm. in the first scene when she's sleeping with her co-worker she tells him that she started drawing mm. And that she hasn't drawn in 22 years. Mm -hmm. 
So that right there is a memory that's going to start well, percolating. especially because of the fact again that David shows her the drawing mm -hmm. when they meet at the hotel mm -hmm. for the last mm -hmm. time, and he's like, "This is the drawing that you made the day that I met you." Remember? Yeah. So the fact that the movie starts with her already recalling the mm -hmm. fact that drawing is something that she did that she used to take pleasure on that then she stopped for whatsoever and now mm -hmm. she's doing it again it's oh there must be parallels to this situation yeah and again like that's what to me it's there are lots of parallels between her as a child uh, well as i don't think that anything you're as a child i think that is an eight as a young adult like Mm -hmm. She is now 18 and she's changing and she's trying to find who she is. So there's like this kind of coming of age aspect of it. And then she has these. It's a coming these, of age tale brought to you by David Cronenberg. Yeah, it's, it's, it's exactly. It's <laughs> kind of like her, like this was me back then. This is me now. Now this is my daughter and this is who I have to protect. I have so to it's another I'm learning to be me. In a sense. But again, like. I feel that the movie, and, and this is why I want to reiterate, the acting was great. The idea to me, genius. The concept I, of the resurrection yeah. in this whole like, oh, now I'm the mother and now I'm the one who's neglecting my child because I'm having an affair with a married man who is my co-worker, which is like something that I shouldn't be doing. Yeah. And while I am paying attention to these kinds of details, my daughter is out there drinking and having mm -hmm. an accident. Boom. I have to protect her. She's going to find a baby yeah. in her life and they're going to take advantage of her. So all these things come back and then she sees herself in confronting David as the savior of her daughter, as the person who like protected her. And then she comes back and thanks her. Yeah. So to me, it's like, okay, great. This, this is a nice, it's a really great movie. It's a clever movie. The fact that it was so long made the cleverness to me Fade. Yeah, I mean, I think just to round this up, because I think we've talked about this enough for listeners to either see it or not. And if you do, well, this is a spoiler section. So. Yeah, this is a spoiler <laughs> section. So you would already either not be seeing it and just want to know what it's about, um, or you just will have already seen it and give us your perspective, I guess, is this long way of me saying, if you've seen the movie, uh, what did you think of it? Was it was David there? Was David not there? Uh, was Ben there and did Ben grow up to be a successful little mutant kid <laughs> after being uh, torn from his father's stomach whom he ate years earlier? Um, 22 years 22 earlier. years earlier. Um, a really old baby uh, at the end of this movie. Um, yeah, I didn't think we were actually going to talk about this movie enough, but once we started getting into like the abstract ideas of it, I think is where it became more interesting. It definitely is an interesting movie uh, in theory, but just maybe not in application. Like it just, I, and the execution was flawed. That's yeah. The execution was flawed. It could have been shorter, but the cinematography, the score was amazing. The acting, the, acting, the practical effects with the, the visceralness of her ripping him out, like that ripping Ben out at the end. And, and all of that was intense. Um, a little slow, a little sedated, a great performance by Rebecca Hall, really creepy performance by Tim Roth. And uh, all the co-stars were really good, too. So I would say this is an IFC film. Um, it's going to be on uh, video on demand, uh, like I said, later this this week, this Friday. Uh, and uh, 
it will be in theaters, select theaters as well. It did really well at the uh, the film festival that it went to. I think a lot of people, there is definitely an audience for this kind of movie. Um, I think if you are into a very slow burn uh, drama, psychological thriller, I think you'll get a lot out of this. It does switch gears to body horror at the end. But I think... Um, I think you might find something there. It's not something I would ever want to revisit. I think I'd seen it enough and know enough about it that I'm like, eh, it's just not for me. But I, I would encourage anybody to watch it because I think there's enough there that uh, will surprise you. I think the, the biggest takeaway for me is when you first find out from that long monologue of what happened. And that for me is the standout performance of this. Uh, probably one of the better horror um performances from an actress this year I've seen so far. Um, what about you to wrap things up? I could, I could rewatch it. I wouldn't be opposed to it. And, and maybe something that on a rewatch would go higher. Now it's, that you kind of know what to expect. Yeah. Because I would be paying more attention to the details of like what my theory is and try to see, mm -hmm. Oh, does it make sense? So in a sense, like, again, I think it's a valid movie. I, mm -hmm. I'm glad that they are still making movies like this, yeah. where a conversation like the one that we have, where we're mm -hmm. trying to like truly understand Figure what it out. happens. Yeah. Yes, it's and 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 that's a valid type of cinema, and I enjoy it. My only issue was I felt it was too long, and yeah. there were things that were repetitive, and that's why I took it down a little bit. But again, like from a technical point of view, from the acting, from a lot of other things, the movie is excellent. Yeah, it's just the length. All right. Well, and I think that there's been movies that we've watched that have just been, a, they've overstayed their welcome just a little too long. That's brought it down for me. But that's it for this episode. As always, you can catch Fatal Faller Presents a podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Horror Amino, and reach out to me at Fatal Faller Presents at Gmail. Gabe, thanks for stopping by today and taking the task of resurrection. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to be here. All right. Stay safe, stay spooky, and, uh, What's that gurgling in my stomach? Is it my baby? <laughs>